0: There we go, Edo, we're live. Welcome to the No Choff Podcast on the OLB. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like, tell your nunna. This is a very, very special edition of the No Choff Desk Podcast because as you guys remember, yesterday I did a stream about the potential Ammonia takeover by Yanis uh, Hustadullah, a, a billionaire in himself. You know, he owns the Marriott in Manchester, got various properties throughout the UK. But people were asking me my thoughts on the Newcastle takeover. And I said what I had to say about it. I don't have a problem with it to be 100% honest, but I've got three people here that know their football two Newcastle supporters, one Newcastle legend. But first, I'm going to bring in Steve Ayer, Man City man, uh, a guy whose club has uh, benefited from mashallah money, as I like to call it. We can use that word, mashallah, because we use that in Cyprus. So, Steve, welcome to the show, mate. Aiden. Morning, Stellan. Good are you. Yeah, all good, mate. Very excited about this podcast because I've got uh, the Man down here. From the d and Footy Factory, a long-suffering Newcastle United support. And finally, I've seen a, a smile on his face. I never thought it existed. Kind of like Father Christmas. <laughs> you
1: know?
0: But he's here. D-Man, welcome, mate. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. My <laughs> pleasure. And uh, you haven't taken that shirt off for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's ironic you've got Wonga on the front as well, because, yeah, you're rolling it now, yeah? That's it. Now it means something. Scrooge McDuck right here, Uh, there we go, right, I'm going to introduce Newcastle legend, the guy that's lived and breathed Newcastle all of his life and for once, I say for once, he smiles a lot, but he's been smiling extra, extra
1: wider now, Lee Clark, welcome mate, how you doing? Good morning guys, yeah, I'm absolutely fantastic, this uh, part of the world is uh, a happy place again,
0: Absolutely, mate. Well, it's, it's similar to my club because we, we've got a few things in common with Newcastle. You know, we, we've had many years of heartache due to mis- mismanagement at the top. Players have been signed on big wages and they've underperformed. Hey, we've even had John Carver as head coach at one point, you know? Um, and there's also rumours of a takeover, but it's happened with you guys. So, Steve, first of all, when you heard about this potential takeover last year or however when it was, what were your first thoughts? Because I said, City have got Arab owners, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi group. What were your first thoughts
2: about the Saudis? Um, To be honest with you, Stel, um, not much at the time because, you know, it was in the distance. There was always a doubt about it. So it's only because it's accelerated in the last seven days or so that I have got excited for it, for the Premier League, for friends like Lee who um, have played for the club but obviously support the club. And obviously, you know, I don't think any football fan, any rival has got anything against Newcastle United. I think, obviously, if you're a certain age, you're brought up in the 70s and 80s and the Kevin Keegan era, et cetera, as a player and as a manager. And I'm not suggesting that they are on my second favourite team, but there's always something special about them that um, you're not offended by them at all, even though you support your your own team. So you then see that they suffer. uh, You then see that they go down and bounce back. And, you know, you just will them some 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 good fortune and, and some better times. Uh, the fan base deserves it for the way they get behind the team and the way they turn up. Um, and I'm really excited to, you know, as expected, see them, see them progress now. The initial challenge for them is to get away from the second from the bottom of the league. Let's not get away from that. But obviously the, the long-term project, um, you know, they're obviously not going to go away. And they can take heart from, you know, Manchester City from uh, the the building blocks of the four years to win the league the different players that got them to each stage because they didn't just go from ground zero to the top of the league they had to do it in blocks and it'll be an amazing time for the football club
0: Absolutely and B man um, we spoke to Lee a few weeks ago about his thoughts on Mike Ashley's reign of terror so to speak um, what are your thoughts first of all mate of, of Mike Ashley what he's done for Newcastle
3: um well, let's face it he hasn't done much positive for the club um and whole area i mean it was it was a depressing 14 years to say the least bar the one the one season we finished fifth on the everything's just been downhill and it's just been not only 14 years of pain but embarrassment really um let's be honest two relegations um you know we lost we got and lost rafa benitez we've had a bunch of jokers in charge in charge of the club since then. He's hired his majors to do absolutely nothing. You um, talk about the Joker in near days, um, we've had Steven McC- McLaren, you know, it's just, been, it's just been toxic. And there's been so many Newcastle fans that's been so disconnected to the club over the years. Um, and it's all down to him, really. The only positive thing you can say is that he's, he's kept us uh, running out of profit, which benefits us now. But... Along the road, no, no major signings, average of, what, 10 million a season or something, he spent it in the Premier League. That's embarrassing. So, to me, I'm glad that he's gone. I'm glad that he's gone. Like, everybody else, what, 96% of the people something what it was. Glad that it's over. Um, and we can start, you know, having a bit of hope and ambition again. We, that With the word of that for for 14 years, it's 14 years of pain. So, I'm just glad, glad he's gone, really.
0: Lee, it's a far cry from the Sir John Hall days, I guess um but the thing is there's something interesting that um Mike Ashley said in a statement something along the lines of he wanted to sell the club to the right person now let's be 100% honest here money talks doesn't it right and regardless of how much he's made from it he's not going to sell sell the company the, the club to someone that's not going to meet the valuation so do you think that he had more offers on the table there or was it the fact that well you know I'm I'm want to give something back to the Newcastle fans. Is this his
1: way of spinning it? <laughs> um, I wouldn't be totally convinced with what Mike says, to be honest. I've seen reruns of some interviews. Uh, the famous one when UNS uh, Gutierrez uh, scored that goal to keep the club in the Premier League, when John Carver was interim manager and he come out and done his first ever interview, live interview with Sky and said he will not sell the club until, he, until they win a trophy. So, there's one statement that just didn't uh, come to fruition. And there's been many, many more, even though he hasn't done a lot of uh, talking. Um, But what I do like is Steve uh, and Darren, they've both come and said that the same things. There's hope now from the fans, there's ambition. There's not unrealism expectation. We don't expect to be challenging for the title next season. Steve mentioned a massive point the first and foremost, we've got to get the January with this current group of players and start getting some results so we can then add to the squad so make sure we're not relegated because that's a distinct possibility at this moment in time. The group aren't playing with a lot of confidence. They haven't won a game yet. We do have about another 10, 11 league games to go until the January window opens and you're halfway to the season. So we have to arrest that straight away. But the biggest thing is, what Dan said, it's about hope, it's about ambition. The, the fans have got that club back. The only big thing that's been about Newcastle in the last 14 years is the support, is the stadium being filled out week in, week out, whether it's in the Premier League or the Championship, whether it's on runs of two wins in 23 games. The stadium's still been full. And that's been the only thing that's been big about the football club. Nothing that's on the pitch. The infrastructure is not at all in the twenty first century. So it's 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 all these things.
0: Yeah, that's that's understandable, and it's it's been a very very frustrating time for everyone associated with the club, from people that work at the club, I'm assuming, to the players, etc. But you mentioned something quite interesting there, Stephen in, At least, sorry, in terms of the players and um, how they're going to have to get themselves out of the mire, so to speak. Does a uh, takeover like this, do you think it galvanises the squad? Or does it make a lot of players think, oh, hang about, my career here is on the line right now because we've got someone here that can bring in bigger names on bigger wages?
1: there will be two groups, though. It'll be the group of players who are ready to embrace it and improve every day and understand that, there's going to be better quality players coming into the building uh, and they want to improve with that. So the standard of training will go up. You have to improve as an individual and be the other group of players who aren't prepared to do that because they don't believe in themselves and they probably haven't got the ability to do that. And they'll quickly go by the wayside. Because when this happens, this was very similar to when Kevin Keegan came through the door in 1992. We uh, embarked on... Bringing in top quality players, it was different then. There was no transfer windows. You had the the transfers were open till the last Thursday in March in that era, so you could continue to buy players. And what that done for local lads like me and Stevie Watson and Steve Howie who had come through in the early nineties, it, it meant that we had to hang on these lads' shirt tails basically. So we had to improve every day. The training standard was going up. We had we had to follow that. And every time there was a new signing, it improved the team and the squad. And we, if we wanted to be a part of it, we had to improve. And that's what it done. Because we were ready for the fight. I was ready for the fight. I wasn't prepared to give up just because I was a local lad and the club had money. I wanted to be a part of it. And um, with every signing, we got better. And that's what will happen here. Listen, if you're a real good player, you want to be playing with top players because it makes the game so much easier for you. If I'm... if I. You know, take me, for example, a midfield player who one of my strengths was passing the ball. If I've got players around us who have who've got quick minds and quick mentalities and they can see the pass that I'm looking to play, it becomes so simple. You know, I had at the time, I had Keith Gillespie, who was a direct winger, who used his pace and would like to run in behind without the ball so it was easy to for me to play those type of passes over the full-backs, whereas with David Ginola, He was a player who wanted the ball and he wanted the defender as tight as possible so he could twist and turn them with his ability. So you've got to know these players are strengths and the weaknesses, but because they were top, they made the game so easy. And if you want to improve and you think you've got the ability to do that, you'll be around, you'll hang around. The players who want to be there, they'll stay. The players who believe they can and they've got the ability to do it, you know, sometimes it's difficult. You don't see the full benefits or you don't see the full quality of a player if he's playing in a team that's fighting relegation and the ambition from the top is just to finish fourth bottom because you know one time you'll slip through the trap door but also you're not playing uh, there's been no um, emphasis from the top to 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 give the manager or the head coach at that time a quality enough squad and they've just had to fight and fight and they showed a great attitude the players over the last 14 years there's not many i could question for the, the lack of fight or the lack of desire you question is the is the quality being good enough, but that's because of the investment and players who who were there, um, you know, at this moment in time, they might flourish when the better players come. Without a doubt, there will be there will be players who don't, and they'll be moved on. But that's in in, in all football teams. But you know, there's an opportunity there now for some of these these fans. These sorry, these players on Sunday are going to experience something they've never experienced before. This is going to be an electric Saint James's Park where there's no toxicity between the fans and the leadership. There's going to be a connectivity, and they're going to be with them every single step of the way, every second, every minute. If there's a, a bad pass, if there's a bad pass, if there's a a mistake, they'll be supportive because there's not that feeling. There's that feeling. There's this hope. This is a new era, so there's no real excuses for the players now to say, "Listen, um." We, you know the the atmosphere isn't great we're worried about making mistakes we're worried about going a goal behind there won't be that now um, so you know it's a different ball game now for the players they have to embrace it
0: Absolutely and that, you know that leads me on to my next question here for, for Steve when City were taken over by uh, the Abu Dhabi or the Abu Dhabi group was, what were they called then because they changed their name to the City group didn't they I
2: think you're right
0: yeah um I remember they started signing the likes of Adebayor and I think Robinho came under Shinawatra, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken, yes. right? So, but you're signing the likes of Adebayor, Gareth Barry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Did you ever envisage City signing the likes of Aguero and Yaya Toure when these guys took over?
2: Yes, because I was privileged enough to obviously work there for 21 years, still speak to some players, uh, obviously speak to ex players, uh, coaching staff. And as a supporter, uh, with a big heart and an interest for it, more so at that time than now, in all fairness, as I was a lot younger, you would ask the question, and there was people that you've trusted and known half your life, telling you, yeah, yeah, this is is not going, going away, this is for real, this is serious, start dreaming big. Now, I've never really been one to go over the top or get carried away, but when people you trust start telling you, you know, these things, then yeah. And, they, you know, the, what they did do, they did sign a core of players, uh, mostly British, uh, but but not all. And, and they'd all had Premier League experience, some that you forget, Samir Nasri, had already done it in the Premier League, Gail Clichy, Jolion Lescott, Shea Given. um Then you've got Carlos Tevez, and then marquee signings like David Silva, Yaya Torre, Pablo Zabaleta, who obviously went on to play for, for 10 years, uh, Craig Bellamy, you know, James Milner. So there was a core of of British or Premier League understanding players that took them to the next level. And then all of a sudden, in all fairness, you're you, you starting to beat Manchester United, you're beating them in semi-finals, you're losing against them 4-3. And I think the first uh, gap that was to be narrowed, still was to, to get close to Manchester United. I think that was the target. And then it was to, obviously, that generates interest in the city and beyond then get level with Manchester United then get past them and then go all the way to the top of the Premier League and, and and that's what they did but it didn't catapult it didn't zoom in 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 one moment there was a gradual build up of correct decisions um mostly and um we must never forget the players who weren't superstars but were great players that got them you know on the journey the thing is city that... brought in football people though didn't they
1: yeah. Sorry,
0: sorry there, Lee. Because when I see the people that have taken over Newcastle, obviously no decisions have been made in terms of the hierarchy and who's coming in to be a technical yeah. director, a director for whatever. But you had, I think, wasn't Brian Marwood there at the time or was he brought in by them? I can't remember. And then Begeerstein
2: then came in. Yeah, he was there. He was already there at the time. You know, Lee will will will, will endorse or, or, or speak better, I'm sure. But it's like a fantasy league, you know. Everybody dreams big. Oh, I'd like him, I'd like him, I'd like him. But you need the correct person to choose the, to choose the right players to fit your team and your culture. And then you also need to choose the right staff to make them better. Now, all that seems quite easy. Everybody's a football manager these days the phone ins, the social media, the fantasy football. Everybody's a football manager. But let's not, you know, be mistaken about this Man City are living proof that. You know, with money and a little bit of time, um, you can get to the top of the Premier League and, and to a Champions League final. The Holy Grail will obviously be winning it and get the best coach in the world. But um, there are a lot of clubs where where they've had investment and it's failed because the wrong people have made the wrong choices. So it's it's a risk, but it's a really exciting risk.
0: Sorry, Lee, you were going to say something, mate.
1: Yeah, I just, it, I think the real important thing is, is what Steve's saying and, the, the great thing for Newcastle is we've got the perfect example in how to do it. Manchester City done it absolutely spot on, you know. the the the, the They gradually built the club up. You know, this isn't going to be the way we are now. To Newcastle, challenging for the Premier League title next season um, and winning that, and then getting to the Champions League. This is about building, and this is. And the reason I say that is, you know, the elite players. If you're talking about the real elite players, if you're talking about the top, top guys, they've got the choice of 10, 11 super power clubs, huge clubs the Chelsea's, the Manchester United's, the Manchester Cities, the PSG's, the Real Madrid's, the Bayern Munich's. And they might get an extra few quid here and there. But money is not their motive. They make huge amounts of money. The will for that career, the will after that career, whether they're going to punditry, re- into management, into coaching. Um, or whether they, you know, they invest their money well—that—that's they're, they're set for life. What they want to do at the end of their careers have a trophy cabinet full of the big trophies and to be competing for the best. So even though Newcastle can afford the top players, the elite number one group of players, those players aren't going to come to Newcastle at the moment because. They want to be playing in the Champions League. They want to be competing for the league titles in whichever country they're going to. So we have to use that example what Man City have shown us and how to do it. And Steve's right. Get players with Premier League experience to take the club forward, move it up the table. You know, the next step for us is first and foremost, get out the relegation zone, stay in the Premier League. Then can we break into the top ten? Then can we get into the European positions, whether that's Europa League or whatever? And then we can, you know, as you do that, you can get the next group of players, the, the standard of players. Yes, you will get one or two who might want to come for the start of the project. And I think that's got to could be the case that you try and do with a manager. I know it's already been spoken about Man City. They they, they stuck with Mark Hughes, they kept them in for a few years, and then they went with Roberto Mancini, etc. Then they've ended up with, with with the King and Pep, you know. But what that. I think when you castle is this time can they try and convince someone if the top level straight away to come in at the start of the project and in the understanding what this could be is quite unique for a current head coach and manager is give they'll get time because the owners will know if you if they get it for an example and Antonio Conte comes in they will give Antonio Conte time they'll not be expecting just because Antonio Conte. To deliver the premier league title within 18 months or two and a half years they know they'll they'll get time it's whether they want to come and do that project or whether because he's such a serial winner you know another one i've mentioned that doesn't get mentioned a lot is mancini because he's been there seen it done it he's handled the pressure of uh, expensive owners who have got huge demands have got a lot of money he's handled the superstar players and he's delivered the trophies He's went and shown his qualities again with the Italian team, winning the Euros. So he's someone there that ticks a lot of the boxes as well for me. It's what profile I'm looking for. To the one, someone who's already been there, seen it, done it. To Do the one up-and-coming managers. So you've got your Steven Gerrard, who, who's already working in a club that has massive expectation. I know he's, he's delivered in Scotland. You know, an unbelievable career as a player, which doesn't always go hand in hand, but he's, he's already shown that. So he's a young up and coming manager. Frank Lampard is also being mentioned. There's great opportunities. I know for a fact they're wanting to change completely the infrastructure. They want to bring the training ground at the first team centre, 21st century. They want to bring the academy up the 21st century. I mean, Amanda Staley's exact words were these places are awful. Now, that's embarrassing, really, when you consider that it's a Premier League football club and you're paying your players thousands of pounds per week. But you're not giving them an environment that they deserve. They're not getting the best of medical treatment. They're not getting the best of recovery treatment. They're not trained on the best of pitches, you know, all this type of thing. They're not getting the most uh, data fed to them because they, they haven't got all this, the, the, the systems that are there, you know, all this type of stuff. And it's going to take time because there's so much to do. But the key is we've got it, as I said, on my doorstep, a club in our country. It's shown us the way forward, how to do it, and the example of how to do it. And if we follow that process, it can be an exciting uh, future. We we haven't got to get carried away. You will get the odd one or two. I mean, I done a local phone in on radio show at the end of last week, and some guy was on. I think he'd had took the the hashtag cans uh, one a bit too far. I think he'd had too many (laughs) cans. But uh, yeah. he was saying in January, we're just wanting me and Harland and Neymar. We'll settle for those three. So, we, that, that's that's the craziness that you're going to get with the odd person. But I think the majority are quite sensible in what, that, what they're thinking.
0: Absolutely. We've got some comments here, right here. Keep up the good job. I, I studied Newcastle and I must say I was thrilled with the fans' love for the team. They really deserve much better. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it, mate. Andros just said my new team in the Premier League is Newcastle. And uh, Rick, hello, mate, top six is a real possibility for next season, but don't expect massive names immediately. They need to, uh, sorry, they need to restructure internally first in short. Yeah, this is what the guys have just touched on, which is fantastic. Brilliant. Cheers, Rick. Um, D-Man, I want to ask you something. I'm going to address the the elephant in the room, which is human rights, (coughs) sports washing. Yeah, terms you've heard on numerous occasions. Um, especially when it comes to this takeover. Now, I have my own views about this and many people are going to completely disagree with me. But I think that this sort of activity has been rife in the game for numerous years. I mean, we can even talk about Colonel Gaddafi's son playing for three Serie A teams. If we're going to, if we're going to be talking about, you know, sweeping things under the carpet, we can talk about the Saudis... Being Man United's uh, corporate sponsor since two thousand and eight, there was no complaints there. These are things that you and I have have, have discussed in the past. So, when it comes to your club being taken over, okay, by a consortium with eighty percent being these the the Saudis, what what does it mean to you the whole sports washing thing? What are your thoughts on it?
3: Um, Well, few things. Well, first of all, I'm sure, like I said, if you dig deep enough, you're gonna find any billionaire owner. If you dig deep enough, there's something probably quite suspect about the origin of the funds or the activities behind the scenes and stuff like that. Chelsea, um, well, not so sort of much United and stuff like that, but other billionaire owners. But I'll be honest, I'm not an expert on, on the human rights issue or sports washing and I think most football fans aren't. They've just heard the term, attached it to Newcastle and, and started to vilify the fans, which I don't understand. Now, let's be honest, we we, we know about the atrocities, about the human rights, to a certain degree, and we don't agree with it, and I don't think any new fan agrees with it. But there's a bit of hypocrisy here. I mean, if also if, it, if it's if it's good enough for the Premier League, um, the government we know do do a lot of business with Saudi Arabia anyway. um They have no no arguments against the move. And then you've got like other sports: boxing, F one, horse racing. Why are they not scrutinized? But all of a sudden. Newcastle fans are expect to take the moral high ground and say no, we don't want no nothing to do with this. And I'm pretty sure every other team, if you had, if you said to them you're gonna be taken over by the richest club and become the richest club in the world, but there may be an issue with sports washing, are you going to oppose it? How many would say no? In, in the grand scheme of things, from a sporting perspective, how many would say no? Doesn't mean that you agree with what's going on and what you've heard, because you know we've heard about the murder of the journalists and stuff like that, which we don't agree with, but again. What has that got with Newcastle taking? What is expected of Newcastle fans in there? I don't understand. What, what do you expect us to do? That completely wash hands with it, make protests outside? No, the they, yeah, they
0: expect you to protest and say, no, don't buy our club. Don't don't, right. don't make us better. Is,
3: and it's, it's not about that for Newcastle fans. What it's about is, is the start of a new era, the end of Mike Ashley, first and foremost. Where the funds come from, we've been told, we can only go on what we've been told. And that what the Premier League is, is, is okay with, and what everybody else, is, the authorities seem to be okay with, we can only go on that. Sports washing. Listen, there's many ways you can address that. Look, if you look at Man City's owners, I'm sure if you dig in, dig deep enough, they're not they're not they're not innocent. Look at PSG's owners, they're probably not innocent. Like, so why is it again? It, I think it's more the people that are really bringing it up. I think it's more of a, a jealousy thing. A jealousy thing, if I'm, if I'm completely honest, because I, I've never heard anyone oppose be so so much in uproar before Newcastle were linked to these people, or in fact before it was actually taken over. Once it was taken over, that's when everyone wants to be in an uproar about this. When, like I said, there's many other sports you could go, you, you, you could go and um, protest against, but Newcastle fans, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it. So,
0: Well, this is it. You, you, you hit the nail right on the head. When it comes to F1, they've had it in Saudi Arabia. I mean, the WWE, which is meant for children, they've had numerous shows in Saudi Arabia. I mean, look, the next time you, you your kids watch the Disney Channel, just remember the PIF have invested in them. The next time you book a cab with Uber, the PIF have invested in that company. Uh, Facebook, when you go to message your mates abroad, the PIF have invested in them. Uh, Starbucks, when you get your coffee, they've invested in them. Hey, Pfizer, when you've had your jab for the COVID, chances are PIF have invested in them as well, which is are a fact. So, this is it. This is it. So it's it's all nonsense as far as, far as I'm concerned. And, and Steve, I'm sure you've heard it so many times with, with Man City in the past. Oh, human rights, human rights. And so, look, I get what happened with Khashoggi, who's a, who's a journalist that was murdered. And the, the Saudis have... they didn't take responsibility for it but they did it it was it was on on their watch so to speak i get it but again when it comes to priorities you can have a lot of journalists who are probably going to oppose it deep down but won't say it out loud because they know full well that they're going to have to be reporting on newcastle so access is currency right so if you speak badly against newcastle they ban you so you can't talk to their players. So obviously they're going to toe the line. So it's all hypocrisy,
2: isn't it? I guess so. And you certainly know more about it than me, Stel. So I'm not going to claim to have any real, you know, knowledge or expertise in this area at all. But uh, I think many people have investigated, you know, irregularities uh, or, or possible irregularities. And you know, City as a club have always come come out of it come out of it cleanly. Um, you don't know. You don't know uh, what goes on in in, in the boardroom it's very hard to know what goes on in a dressing room. You can guess it, and there's the occasional leak, but you very rarely hear what goes on in a boardroom, um, and the journalists are, are the same. So I'm very much led by the media itself still, so, so, you know, wh- whatever they say is, is, is my knowledge, really. So I've I no real opinion other than where the, where there's money, uh, an extreme amount of it, there's always probably suggestions of corruptness, but but... Until proved, like anything in life, until proven, uh, then then it, then it remains innocent. In my opinion,
0: mm. and, and I think it's, I'm I'm going to say something which might upset a few people here. But um, Jimmy Savile was knighted, then we know what happened with him. So what? It it doesn't happen anywhere else. Do you know what I'm saying? These things are, are swept under the carpet when when it matters. But Lee, I want to talk about the uh, the Saudis' um, investment in the club here, because obviously we know that legally that apparently they're not going to take over but we know what they're going to be doing in the background in terms of the infrastructure we saw what we've seen what manso has done with man city the city of manchester they built uh, a training ground they built a, a, is it a university there steve as well so they've done a lot of stuff for the, the the city as a whole right
2: yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah
0: so i'm hearing that there's there's an offshore wind farm in Blythe, is there lee and apparently yes. they're going to be they're going to be helping with um uh what's it called uh, What's the word? Uh, raw energy. Uh, I've forgotten now. The word's gone out of my head. Uh, renewable well, energy. Is, I think, renewable yeah, energy.
1: Yeah. The, thing, the thing is, the they're going to invest like uh, the Man City guys. They're going to invest in the local community as well as the football club. They're going to, the infrastructure, the the uh, environment around the city, around the uh, stadium, you know, there, there's been a lot of money pumped into that as well, you know, that, you know, isn't just down to football. Obviously, the Etihad campus as well, the train facility is just absolutely superb facility. Uh, this is when I say about examples, this is what, you know, they've got to look to do. I mean, uh, they're going to they're gonna invest heavily in, in the women's team as well. I mean, that was just a token gesture under, under Mike Ashley. The only thing it had in terms of connection with the United was the name, but there's going to be a huge amount of investment in that. There's going to be a huge amount of investment in the academy um both in terms of uh, playing players coaching staff uh, facilities but as you said it's going to be it, it's going to be around the community as well the Rubin brothers who are part of the, this uh, you know make up of this new board and consortium we've took over have massive investments uh in the round newcastle in the northeast of newcastle racecourse they have many hotels and in huge properties in, in in the city so this is about them as well not just doing it for newcastle city football club this is doing it for newcastle city and the surrounding area and and and, and everyone will benefit and and this is another great example of what the, the guys have, have done at manchester city they haven't just kept the and put the investment just into the football club they put it in the community in the surrounding areas and they've helped a lot of charities have helped a lot of people a lot of businesses you know just the area in the, around the stadium you know you see that all the development that's going on there that they've had a, a, a an investment a hand in so this is all the type of stuff it's not just exciting for the United fans it's an exciting period for the people who live and, and work in the city
0: well, this is it, and people need to remember that Saudi Vision 2030 is, what, seven, eight years away? My math, my math is rubbish. And eight, nine years away. Apologies. And this is just like a, a development programme um, for the government of Saudi Arabia, and they've had numerous uh, meetings, events, which have included, we're talking major players here, You know, HSBC, even Man United have been there. So it's not as if they haven't been trying to become more... Um, modern in their approach, Riyadh apparently is, is is a gorgeous place to go to now because of the amount of money they spent. So, granted, they have had a history of of uh, bad human rights, etc. And it, but it's it's rife everywhere. Look at Qatar. I mean, they're still talking about Qatar and the World Cup for crying out loud, you know. And the Qatari's own own Paris Saint Germain. But the thing is, D Man, when when the move was originally blocked. By the Premier League or whoever it was that said that it's not going to go through. You and I had this discussion and, and I, was, I was shocked because I thought it was done and dusted. In fact, the deal was done and dusted between the two parties but in terms of the Premier League stepping in, how did you feel when you heard that it was mostly because of piracy than anything? <sighs>
3: to be honest, I was, I was more just focused on the fact that it just wasn't going to go through. I mean, the whole piracy thing, I didn't, I didn't read too much of it, and obviously I was getting my information from yourself. Um, and I thought, first of all, I, I, from the outside looking I thought it's a petty reason to, just to, just to, to block a move. And I thought, is that the real reason? Because I thought, <coughs> you heard about other clubs blocking it, the big six, and they wanted to go through the Premier League, you know, putting pressure on the Premier League and stuff like that. So the piracy issue, I, I just couldn't get my head around it. I, I understand why that was such a big thing over there that blocked something here but then when you read into it you know it's, it's it's all about money let's be honest it's all about money money talks and that's the only reason why it's gone through now um but be, i didn't really i wasn't really i was just more downhearted and, and deflated not surprised because i just thought it wouldn't go through anyway for some reason i thought no newcastle's luck is just not going to go for anyway. like i didn't i didn't believe this one was going to go through until i saw it officially officially approved and stuff. Um, but even when, because when they said, oh, the piracy issue had been sorted, I still didn't believe it would go through. And I saw everyone on social media starting to get excited and stuff. And I thought, all right, fair enough, but that's their business. What's that got to do here? Because the Premier League, the Big Six and stuff, still don't want it to go through. I thought that was, I thought that was the main stumbling block. I couldn't understand. I couldn't connect the dots until I really read about it a bit more and stuff. But, yeah, listen, all I care is that it's been sorted, if I'm, if I'm honest. All of it's, it's, it's done is done. Dusted. It's no longer an issue, um, but originally I thought
0: that sounded a bit petty from the outside looking yeah. in. It. But it, it's a five hundred million dollar pettiness. Do you know what I mean that? That's that's the deal that was agreed between being Sports from Qatar and the Premier League back end of twenty twenty, and it was until twenty twenty five. So it's yeah. a it's a five hundred million dollar deal. But, but the, the problem is, or I'd say the problem was, because of the blockade b- between the. Uh, UAE, Saudi Arabia, and I think uh, Egypt, with Qatar, the reason why all of this started is because Saudi Arabia created B B out Q. So what yeah. they started to do was sell set top boxes, pirate, <laughs> basically piggybacking off B in sports. <laughs> and they're basically using B in sports their their footage on their own thing, and that's where B in sports kicked off, and that's how all of this kind of stemmed from. Because being a are saying to the Premier League, well, hang about, we've paid you $500 million yeah. for five years worth of footage, right? Yeah. We're talking 380 games a year, right? So it's not really that many games. And so it's a big fee. And they're saying, well, these guys are, are nicking our footage, <laughs> selling it to make money. But, and yet you're allowing yeah. them to buy a Premier League club. So there's that conflict of interest. I personally believed it was going to go through anyway, because money talks bullshit all the time yeah. in the day. You know, so, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that was always going to get sawed eventually in my, in my honest opinion. But, you know, I know we, we've touched on this very briefly earlier, but um, the future of the club in terms of on the pitch, we've talked about the restructure, all about players now. We've spoken about potential players in terms of the, the, the standard. Are we going to see one day the likes of Akin and Mbappe joining Newcastle gentlemen? Are we going to see like a Haaland, these these big names, like as Man City, Brought in these big names, that they're still doing. Are we going to see that with Newcastle? Do you think?
1: Um, this well, is for why everyone not? so jump in. <laughs> we I'm, saw Asprea, didn't we, Lee? We saw Asprea. Right? it was a big name at the time. Of course, that's we done that. We were signing the best British and um, international players of, of, of that era, and we were in for them as well. It was a time where, you know, Roberto Baggio was a, a serious uh, potential signing. Uh, I think it just came really down so that, was that yeah, yeah yeah that was very very strong and I think it was actually everything was agreed it might have been something in a medical term that broke that move down so yeah the club oh, the club, the club was going the club was going for it and I think when they showed with the the world record signing when they brought Alan home they showed that there were it was serious business at that time now the club's going to go back into that era and you know like Steve said. What happened at man city at the start the man city fans probably were skeptical about this and thought no this can never happen that we will get the elite level of players but it did and and that's what this type of money but it's also the ambition of the club there was a, there was a plan set out by those owners of manchester city and they weren't trying to see it and the great thing for us newcastle people is one of the first things amanda Stabley said was In five years we want to be challenging five to ten years we want to be challenging for the premier league and competing in the champions league and that's that's a hell of a statement but it's one that we, we hope they'll back up we think they'll back up that's what Manchester city people came in and said it wasn't we want to finish 17th we want to just stay in the league and collect my tv money every year we want to be ambitious so to do that to achieve that you've got to get early players and it goes hand in hand you've got to build but you get the club up to the level that these elite players want to do and they, listen there'd been no you're, you're always going to be um, loyal to your club and your people and say it's the best place to be and the best fans but this these fans haven't seen a major trophy since 1969 and the support of the football club has been crazy over that period of time in in, in, in all in all positions in in the in the pyramid of football. So yeah, I've got no doubt that the, the top top elite players, that number one. If you go from if ten to one, and one's the the top of the tree, those ones that are in number one positions, or in that time in five years' time, the players that are in that group of players, we will be challenging to sign them, and we will get we will get some of them. Will we get all of them? I don't know, because there's some of the powerhouses out there already who have the history, who have the, the basis, and have the infrastructure. But we will be challenging for those players. I think I
3: think I think I think there's um a few things. The fact that there are so many um powerhouse clubs now makes it slightly more difficult for Newcastle, and even some of the smaller clubs have money as well. But I do believe it's a possibility um in the long run to get the big names to Newcastle because you know. You've got, you know, you've got London, Manchester, arguably Birmingham, but Newcastle is still, it's still a, a big city. So it's just like, the attraction is there, like I said, the fan base is there, um, haven't seen success for so many years, but yet they pack out home and away. They're the best, the best <coughs> fans I've ever come across. And like I said, the owners are, are speaking with ambition and making bold statements. And they're saying and doing things the right way at the moment. So if it continues, I can't see why um, we can't be challenging in five, ten years for the Premier League. Um, but also you need to get the right infrastructure like the director of football, someone who knows the right type of players to attract Um, and you need to have a a vision, a a set vision and culture and players that are going to fit that basically. But also it's the manager. If you can get a decent manager now who's behind the project and who has got that pulling power, I think think in the launch, not too distant future, you will start to get bigger, bigger names and build from there but like i said before you need to get a, a balance you need to have your, your homegrown your, your english people that know the premier league and then build from there once once if we can stay in the premier league this this year and like i said build to next year top 10 finish then top six whatever it is by that time we should be able to attract a very decent caliber of player because a lot of things we put in place by then you can see the, the, the things going and like I said, you've got blue Following Manchester City so I don't see why not whether it's the likes of Mbappe and Hidalgo that kind of ilk that's that's way down the line when you're really competing for Champions League and stuff like that but there's enough players out there decent players that you can start with and build from there and again once you get the right management in place and the results start to pick up then I don't see why not I don't see why not
0: Yeah, I I think when Middlesbrough signed the likes of Ravanelli and Juninho, that kind of dispelled the myth that, oh, players don't like the weather up there and all that kind of stuff. We've seen it with with City and obviously Man United and and even Liverpool. I think the the advantage, the big advantage Newcastle has, quite rightly what Lee said, are the supporters. And I've been to Newcastle several occasions, whether it be for work or other activities. And um, it's such a welcoming place. And it's very difficult not to become immersed in, you know, the community and how people are just so friendly and, you know, and I think it makes it easier for a, for a foreign footballer who might not speak the language perfectly, but it, it makes it easier for them to kind of, you know, make that transition and
1: assimilate, right? Alright, sorry. Yeah. Oh, was that? oh, sorry, I thought... Oh, I yeah, just everyone, really. Because, I mean, Lee, you,
0: you've seen a lot of these you know, non-English players coming to Newcastle, like Philippe Albert, Pavel Cernicek, God rest his soul, and a few, Mark Hotziger, et cetera. I, I guess that they they kind of liked the environment that they were in because, as I said, this it's a very welcoming place, in Newcastle.
1: Born into, the ball and the ethos of the football club, the relationship between the players and the supporters in that era was crazy. There was, you know... you. You, you couldn't go anywhere and um, you couldn't go uh, shopping with a wife. You couldn't go to a restaurant or a bar. You couldn't go to the cinema without someone wanting to stop and talk to you. politely, you know, not interfere in your personal space. Politely and talk about the previous game or the next game coming up. And we felt a responsibility. So you know, for example, we didn't obviously lose a lot of games during that era, but when we did, there was there was none of us out socializing the night of the game after the game or the couple of days after that, because we felt a responsibility to us fans that we'd let them down in that given day, you know, because we'd lost the game. That was something that was also drilled into us by the manager, Kevin Keegan. He had a very working class ethos about him. He wanted that he believed that the most important thing was to entertain the the fans and give those fans everything that you could and every occasion you pulled a shirt on. And he was a big driver of that. You know, we had a, we had an open, obviously we had a council-owned training ground at the time, but he was so open and on school holidays, Christmas time, you'd get between five and 10,000 come to watch with training you know they had to then start producing the club shop started bringing the the merchandise down because they were selling the the training ground on the side of the pitch there was hot dog stalls there was everything it was like a mini match day so and he made every single player because he was the superstar kevin was the manager and he was the superstar of the club because he'd done it made sure that all the players stayed behind any photos any autographs were stayed and sometimes we had to stay there for hours because ultimately we were given back to the people who were delivering for us and being loyal to us and making the club very special for us. And, and that's what you've got to understand. There is that point that sometimes to get attract players to Newcastle, there's two things that you do have to pay a little bit over the odds in terms of the finances. And we, we will have to do that because it's not a London, it's not a Manchester or a Liverpool in terms of its location in the, in the pose for the family you know the wives and the girlfriends they might want to live somewhere a bit different so you have to the finances have to do that but the other way that kevin used to do it was bring them to st james's park before they signed and, and let them watch a game on the qt with our agents and their family and then they, they got sucked in by that emotion and that passion of the supporters on a on a match day and the, and the scene all that and they wanted to the come like you said albert hotager cernacek janola Aspia. And they bought into the ethos of the club and they, and they loved it. They loved the area. The families loved the area as well in the end. So, you know, that, that's all that goes hand in hand with everything. A happy player off the field with his family is a player who delivers for you more than anything. If he's a top player, he delivers most weeks.
0: Yeah, and Joe, I think that there's one thing we, or one person we need to mention who we haven't at all, and that's Amanda Stavely, who has been absolutely instrumental. In in this takeover, um, she's done a fantastic job, and you know what? I, I I find it quite hilarious how Karen Brady has already started writing about Newcastle. I'm thinking, what Karen? Are you just pissed off that you're not the main female in football now? Is that, is that rubbing you the wrong way? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Just, that's just that's my my thoughts. Steeman, what, what's your what's your take on Amanda Staley? Should she have a statue built outside the St James's Park? <laughs> Well, <laughs> the
3: fact that she managed to out Mike Ashley, then there's there's support. <laughs> yeah. But um, at the same time, listen, it, it's she's saying a lot of the right things. Um, like I said before, and I like the fact that she came up to meet some of the fans. Um, she's done more interviews uh, in the last week than Mike Ashley's done in 14 years. It, it says a lot. So, to me, and I like I like the passion that she seems to have for the club, and and. The way she studied it as well. I think she said she, she first saw it a game against Liverpool or something like that. And after that, she went and said, Right, we need to buy this club and stuff like that. She worked on it. And I remember hearing her not too long ago on Talk Sport having a little argument with Simon Jordan and he was basically and that's when he said the famous quote like, you know, the deal is deader than dead and stuff like that, whatever. And you could tell that she was she refused to give up. She believed in uh, the, the deal, the club and and the, the the prospects and you know, and just the three things the key thing she's actually said is you know, they want to be ambitious, um, they're going to compete, you know, for major trophies, but it will take time. And like I said, not most Newcastle fans aren't expecting you know success overnight, but the fact that she seems so connected to the club at the moment, if this continues, then. It won't be long till a statue is put up next to Shearer by the stadium and stuff like that. So, long may it continue. So, I have no complaints about her. I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far, but it's about delivering now, isn't it? And and the steps taken. Let's see what she does with Steve Bruce first. If she gets rid of him before before the Spurs game, then. You know, her ratings go going even more than that. But
0: oh, come um, on, leave Brucey alone. At least give him till January for crying out loud. My goodness, <laughs> no you don't like him them at them. all, do ya? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with what I've seen so far, and you know the, the work she's put in to actually get this deal to, to go through. Because she could have easily walked away when it got um denied the first time. So you know, hats off to her.
0: Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, let's just wrap it up with one more thing. Final thoughts, Steve. What are your final thoughts on the whole situation?
2: Amazing. You know, uh, sorry for rinse and repeat here still, but um, there are Newcastle fans in their own right, football <coughs> and I think football fans have their own team, and I think they have rivals. Um, you know, Leeds United have got a reputation, uh, Marmite, uh, Manchester United Liverpool, you know, hugely successful world-class football clubs across uh marmite and when i say marmite you know to explain you know you often love them or hate them i've never known anybody be offended by newcastle united although should they get success then i'm sure there will be a few football fans of other clubs start being jealous antagonized by them and start to dislike them but i really don't know any football fan that doesn't wish newcastle united the best providing that they don't go past their team. That's exactly how I feel. Now, it's going to be great fun for me as a Manchester City supporter because they've got to go over about 20 clubs at least before they attack my team. And when they do, if it ends up being how you were brought up, watching Newcastle rivaling for, you know, cup finals and towards the top of the Premier League with that amazing, you know, army, then it can only be good for the game. Just very quickly... Um, City did dozens of things still, dozens of things to get it right before it moved on elitely Um, but what they did do the Carlos Tevez signing was the best thing they did it was a statement it antagonised the rivals across the road, it antagonised the greatest manager that's ever uh, been in British football started to call us the noisy neighbours and we were getting noticed then obviously he delivered on the pitch and then the next thing you've got to do is to win a trophy because that convinces other players to come to your club. Uh, City started to win the FA Cup and then the League League Cup almost as though it was their own. And all of a sudden, they were uh, not only a force, but they were respected and they were a club that people wanted to join. So for me, for Newcastle moving forward, I think it's amazing. They need to sign a bulk of players that are Premier League um, trodden, uh, if you like. They need to sign at least one superstar And I think City did that with Carlos Tevez. And I think they can join the elite again. Uh, The thing is, I don't think Newcastle signing a playoff, their rivals, would make
0: much of a statement. I mean, Aidan McGeady won't set the light (laughs) at St James Park. (laughs) Sorry, Aidan. D-Man, final thoughts, my friend? Um,
3: Just happy, relieved, excited for the future. Um, I've been supporting Newcastle since 92, so I've been for a lot. um, How old were you, like, 11, 10? Yeah, yeah. Andy Cole was my idol when I first joined, when I first supported the club. But I'm just, I'm just happy that I can actually look forward to football again um, and see what the future holds. It doesn't look bleak anymore. Um, I'm tired of being depressed and this club depressing me. I can watch the stuff, like Match of the Day. I can actually enjoy watching Newcastle again with the hope that things are going to get better. And I think every Toon Army fan deserves it. And I think we all feel the same. It's going to take time. We are going to make some mistakes along the way, but. The future looks a lot brighter than it did a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, looking forward to the journey ahead. It's going to be an exciting ride.
0: Shame on you, Rodri Giggs, for that comment. Sorry, I just had to put that there. Good stuff there, DiMa And Lee, final word from you, young man.
1: Just a fantastic period of time in, in the future for the fans. Uh, they're the most important people. They're the, they're the people I'm more happy for than anybody. Um, you know, Kevin came in and he said, "Get on the roller coaster. It's going to be, it's going to be a hell of a ride. It's going to be ups and downs, and that's what this will be." And uh, I think majority of the fans I'm speaking to understand that. They're not going over the top. They're not expecting it to be an upward curve all the time. There will be little bumps along the way. Um, but as I said, the, the good thing about our football club and our ownership now, we've had a, we've got a fantastic example at Manchester City of how how to do it how to achieve it and how to sustain it and that's the key and uh but let's just let the fans enjoy this period of time now Uh fingers crossed the club stays in the Premier League because that would be a, a, a massive setback I'm sure they will but it, you know it's not a given at the moment and uh, you know I'm looking forward to Sunday we've already uh, been all um, a lot of ex-players have already had the invitation from Amanda Stavely to uh, go to the game as her guest which is something that was never uh, allowed to us by Mike in fact there was a period of time where we weren't allowed a complimentary ticket so we couldn't really get in to see them if unless we bought some but um, that's, an, that's for another day so yeah I'm delighted that the, and, and what, what I loved was still was the way it was announced it was like Pat everyone on the back foot because everyone was thinking it was going to be January after the court case and then all of a sudden the news broke on the night time and then within 24 hours you had thousands of jodies just going absolutely ballistic. <laughs> and I think that was, I think that's what the Newcastle fans deserved after the 14 years of turmoil they've had to put up with. Now we can, they can just go to the match, enjoy it, create a create a great atmosphere for the players to try and flourish and, uh, you know they've got their football club back. They've got their love back for the club, and they'll have a relationship with the leadership group. There'll be a communication level. There'll be a, there'll be a, a relationship, and that, and that can only be good going forward.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, it's going to be very, very exciting times indeed. As you guys stated before, you know there's there's many big teams in the Premier League. Newcastle, obviously, a big team, but with this money, it's going to oh, it's going to throw the cat, uh, the cat amongst the pigeons, so to speak. There you go. Right, boys and girls, thank you for tuning in. If you uh, like this episode, please hit that subscribe button like. Tell you, Munna, I've had Steve dman D-Man and Lee Clark. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us on this podcast. So, until Thanks, next guys. time. Standard. Thank you.